1: What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host. And I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again. We got an episode today from one of the greats. If you have done any type of sales or marketing, or if you consider yourself a relationship builder, especially in the network marketing space, I'm pretty sure you've heard of this guy. But without further ado, we have one of my friends on, Mr. Ray Higdon, on the show. Ray, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation?
2: What's up, Dream Nation? Excited to be here.
1: Yeah. We're excited to have you, my man. Now, I always, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the intros on the shows, but I always love to start it off by doing um, basically a comparison of us as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. Why is it because we're constantly putting on our cape, we're flying around the world and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And I know that that's what you've been doing for what, probably 20 years, 30 years. How long have you been in the sales and marketing space?
2: Well, if you're—I mean, if you're counting real estate, because I did real estate and real estate education starting back in two thousand and four-ish, so okay. yeah, something like that, seventeen years, maybe.
1: Got it. Love it. Well, a lot of the times, what people see, whether it's on your TikTok, whether it's your Instagram or your YouTube, they see that this S on the chest, they see the superhero, they see all of your success. But a lot of the times, what we can't identify is when the cameras are off. Who is that Clark Kent behind the scenes? So my question for you is when people aren't seeing you on social media you're on the biggest of stages, teaching and training and coaching, if you could take us back, tell us when it comes to Ray Higdon, who is that Clark Kent?
2: So so who who am I like right now behind the scenes? Is that what you're asking?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just tell us who on the on the backside. Yeah, who is that guy that we don't see on social media?
2: Um, you know, I am just a lunatic at improving myself so that I can impact others because that's what makes me feel significant. So what I do is selfishly for me, it happens to impact other people. And so I love to see people transform. I love to see people get over their obstacles. And for me to be able to create that, I had to get over my obstacles. I had to do the painful work of digging through my stuff and figuring my programming out and my emotional addictions out so that I can teach other people how to do that.
1: I love it. So that's a great segue and transition to tell, tell us about where did this all come from? Like, take us back through the journey. What was it like for you growing up um, did you have a support system? Or what did that look like for your journey?
2: So, uh, you know, my parents uh, divorced when I was very young. And up until the age of 12, I, I was in a very abusive home. And, you know, to I'll give you, a, you know, a couple stories. I mean, you know, I used to I remember in kindergarten going to school um, and my stepmom would make me wear a turtleneck because the claw necks on my neck were so deep. I remember one morning I was just, you know, sick for what, you know, I don't know what I had, but I was sick and I actually, um, threw up into my oatmeal and when I refused to eat it, she stabbed me in the chest. And, and so, you know, I'm, you know, every single morning that I can remember, I was grabbed by the ankles, thrown against a closet and stomped. And, and so it actually, like, even, even as an adult, many, many times I find myself sleeping in a ball and I kind of wake up and like, Oh, I don't have to do that anymore. And, and so, you know, I look back and what I tell people that when I'm coaching someone who's been through trauma, you know, I tell them, you know, look, your parents did the best they could with what they knew and, um, what they had experienced. And, you know, I don't, I look back and I'm not mad, you know, I'm not mad that it happened, Um, you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe that happened so that I could be more empathetic, you know, so that I could understand people at a different level who've, who've been through trauma like that. And, and so at the age of 12, I came down to Florida to live with my mom from Indiana and, you know, things were very different. All of a sudden I had a lot of freedom, you know, I wasn't, you know, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so crazy for me. And, but I found that my you know, looking back, I understand this. I didn't understand it at the time, but my low self-worth had me, you know, do a lot of stupid things. You know, I got in mixed in with the wrong people and it's not like I got mixed in. I, I was the wrong people too. And so a lot of drugs, I didn't finish high school on time. Um, you know, I, uh, I got to a point in my life where I just, I hated myself so much that I tried to kill myself, got Baker acted, ended up in a, in a, you know, addiction center And, um, and so like, you know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't great. And I turned my, you know, self-worth issues, uh, my way that I coped with it. Once I got out of that, you know, the drugs and everything else was I coped with myself, my low self-worth by working. And so I found this, this beautiful distraction called work. And so I would just work. And so like, you know, I would go, you know, get a job and I would be their hardest worker and I'd work my way up. And, um, you know, and I just kept doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that until I got to a point where I really, you know, I realized that I didn't like what I was doing. I was making good money, uh, but I craved freedom. I had two kids at the time and I barely got to see them because I was working all the time. And and I wanted more freedom. And so I went into real estate back then and it was 2004 here in Florida and real estate. What could go wrong? Right. And uh, and so I got into real estate. And then when the, the market crashed, I got wiped out and I got to learn. When you say you got into real estate. Did you get in as like
1: mortgage broker? Did you get in as a real estate agent? What what did you get into?
2: Well, initially, I got in. Me and a buddy, we had, you know, we'd read the books. We read Rich Dad Poor Dad. We read, you know, Russ Whitney, T Harv Eker. We read all these different books. I'm like, man, we need rental properties. Mm -hmm. And so, me and a buddy, we were working at an insurance company, and we're like, man, we should start doing this on the side. And so, that you know, we pulled equity out of our home because the real estate market was nuts, right? Everyone, everyone was buying and flipping and everything. And so we pulled money out of our, our homes. And in that first year, we bought 37 rental units in the ghetto. And so, you know, I had guns pulled on me. I remember I'm, I'm driving, I'm driving down the street and, you know, guys tapping my window with a gun saying, hey, partner, hey, partner, right? So I'm like, I'm like, oh, just, just here to collect the rent, sir. <laughs> and, and so had some, had some fun times, um, and uh, I did end up getting a mortgage license, but that's not. I, I initially started um, as as a real estate investor. I wanted to have a big portfolio of, of rental properties with cash flow, and that was going to be the way. But when the market crashed, all of the rents plummeted. So it went from something we would rent for eight hundred bucks a month went to four twenty, and all of a sudden you can't cash flow with that. You're losing money every month, and so we couldn't keep up. So both of us got wiped out
1: got it wow now what about your personal home because you said you were pulling money did that
2: oh got yeah it. i went i so i went through foreclosure i went through a divorce i was sleeping on my buddy's couch and i uh i was just hating my life um you know there was a uh unfortunate period there where i was just you know i was my way of coping with what had happened was drinking. And so there was a time where I was getting probably blackout drunk or I was getting blackout drunk probably three times a week. And, and so just trying to drown my renewed hatred for myself and, um, you know, didn't really know what I was, what I was going to do.
1: Got it. Yeah. And that was what I was going to ask is because obviously you found work, that was kind of your your savior. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit of freedom, you're investing and then you're like, boom, you get wiped out. Right. And then so it's like for many of people, they'll go back to, you know, what's comfortable, which is the drinking, which is what it sounds like you did. Now, where was the turning point from there, though, for you to be able to not only find network marketing, but to stop the drinking and kind of get your life together? Because you said you're going through a divorce. And so sometimes it's like, You know, my 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 spouse was like, "Hey, I can't take this." So, what was it for you that was that stopping point that said, "I gotta fix it"?
2: Yeah, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't expected. Uh, It wasn't I didn't see this coming. But you know, I went to this uh, I went to this three day seminar, and you may may or may not have heard of it, called Landmark Forum. And so I go to this, I go to this seminar and in my head, it's like, maybe this will help me make money because I'm broke. I'm like, I've sold furniture. I've sold my high school class ring. I'm like doing anything to try to make money. I'm broke. All of my bills are paying late. And if, if they're getting paid at all. And so I go to this seminar. And I'm like, maybe this will help me make, you know, learn to make money. And what I got out of it was I had repair relationship with dad on a to-do list with no priority. So I hadn't, I hadn't talked to my dad in 13 years. And I told you, you know, some of the reasons, right. And he wasn't the actual abuser, but he let it happen. And, and so he had never met my sons who at the time were whatever the math is, nine and 10 years old, something like that. And so on day two of that seminar, I I was just like, I got to call him. And so I, I call him, hadn't talked to him in 13 years. He'd never met my sons. And, um, you know, I said, hey, I'd like to come see you. I'd like you to see the, you know, you know, your grandsons. And uh, so we we go up a little bit, you know, in July of 2009, we go up to Indiana and, uh and, you know, reestablish, you know, create a relationship that that wasn't there. And, you know, it never became perfect, um, but I wouldn't have felt right if um, if I didn't make that attempt. And so I come home and something was different. It was like, and I really believe, and I'm, I've now seen this true in many clients and, you know, people that, that I've worked with or coach or whatever, um, that when you release some of that past garbage, that past baggage, new things open up, you see things differently. And so I come home and it was the first week of July, like less than a week later, I'm at a a home meeting where there was a network marketing pitch there, which I had sworn against. I didn't want to do network marketing because I would tried it before and I hated it, had some bad experiences. But at this point, my credit shot, no one's hiring. I got two credit cards left that'll even allow me to use them because I'm not paying any of them. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this thing work. And so I joined that company July 15, 2009. And in five months, I'm at 10,000 a month and seven months, 50,000 a month. I go on to become the number one income earner, make millions of dollars with that company. And, um, and that's that, that switch was that, you know, not learning a new strategy, not, not, you know, it was releasing some of that past pent up resentment, anger, garbage baggage, whatever you want to call it, that, that it just, I just came back different. And I still wasn't, I still wasn't perfect because in, um, and still aren't, but, um, in that company, my second or third weekend, I get a call from the owner and he's like, uh, Hey Ray, congratulations. And I'm like, Uh, you know, for what he goes, you won the trip. And I'm like, um, okay. Like I, I was just so heads down. I was going to make that damn thing work. I didn't even know about a trip. I wasn't focused on a trip. I was focused on working. And apparently I won, I earned a trip right through that network marketing company. And so we go down to St or I go down and a buddy goes down and uh, we go to this thing and I, I, I still have my demons. And so I get blackout drunk and, um, two of the three owners wanted to kick me out of the company. Wow. And, and so like, here I am about to sabotage something again. And fortunately that third owner, you know, fought for me. And, uh, so I stayed and then, you know, about seven, eight months later, I was the number one earner in the company.
1: Hey, dream builder, if you are anything like me, you know, the importance of setting goals and achieving those goals. And anytime you find something interferes with that, ultimately it interferes with your happiness. And if that's you or if you're in a rut right now, I want to encourage you to check out betterhelp.com. Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling that's done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and they'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can send a message to your counselor at any time and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or even phone sessions all without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room regardless. Regardless if you're dealing with depression, grief, anxiety, or anything along those lines, there's a licensed professional just waiting on the other side to help you. And of course, I want to help you as well. I want you to start living a happier life today. And because you're a part of the Dream Nation tribe, and as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash DreamNation. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash DreamNation. And you can join over one million people who have taken the charge of bettering their mental health. Now let's get back to it. Wow. Yeah. So, so much to unpack there. And I love what you said that like uh, what I, what I guess I was able to take away and visualize from this is like it opened up when you stopped having to focus on what was behind you. Right. Which was like the relationship that you had with your dad or you wanted with your dad. So once you were able to get closure on that, that allowed you to start looking forward and you saw all of these opportunities that were in front of you. And so I think that that's something, a nugget, uh, uh, that wisdom that somebody else, no matter what it is, relationship with your brother, your sister, um, or, or uh, ex-husband, or wife, or whatever it is, like, if you can get closure on that, that'll allow you to start looking ahead. So there's so much there. Now, I think the there's, other thing that...
2: Go ahead. One, one more piece to that story that defines me to this day. So i I didn't tell anyone that story. And... Um, you know, I just, you know, it it happened and, you know, I just pretended like I was awesome, you know, the whole time, like nothing bad ever happened. So I was, you know, back then I wasn't vulnerable. So I was the number one earner had never shared any of that story. And, uh, maybe, maybe two years later, maybe a year and a half later, I got asked to do an event in um, uh, Myrtle beach. And so I go, I go up to Myrtle beach and I'm, I'm to do an opportunity meeting and a training. And so I do the opportunity meeting and like something, whatever, just told me, tell the story about your dad. And I never shared it. I never told anybody about it because I didn't share personal things like that And back then. And so I did it. I listened and I, and I just, I tell that story. So I told the exact story I just told to you. And the guy that booked the meeting afterwards, you know, I finish and, you know, whatever, He's walking down the aisle of the hotel, crying his eyes out. I mean, he's like shaking. He's like messed up. And I'm like, wow, you know, that really, you know, touched you. And he said, I can't believe you just told that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. Tomorrow, I fly out for his funeral. Wow. And I was like, wow. I mean, it was just so weird that I was told to say that story. And then that happened. Yeah. And that did something to me. And it, and it, it made me realize that I need to be more vulnerable. The world doesn't need, you know, Superman, right? They, mm. they need the person that's going to share here, you know, here's, here's my scars. Here's what I've been through. Cause maybe it'll help you get through what you've been through. And so that really changed. That changed my life. It changed how I show up. It changed. It just changed a lot of me. So I really got double benefit from, you know, from that.
1: Yeah. Again, so many nuggets. And I'm sure somebody right now is watching or listening at this and and they're saying, wow, like what relationships can I repair? Do I want that phone call that says, you know, an old best friend that we fell out in in our college days over something that it was pretty minuscule, right? We always say it, but I don't know if we really allow it to soak in. Like if it won't matter five days from now, don't let it matter five minutes from now. Or if it won't matter five months from now, whatever you want, timeline you want to say. And we just understand, especially over these last 18 months with dealing with this pandemic and jobs being lost, lives being lost, we see that there's so much more of a bigger picture and that we are all in it together because there's so many decisions that we don't even make, right? We can only come together as society and try to be there for one another, Right. right? And so, yeah, so much wisdom in that. If we could talk about, you know, you said within the first five months, right, you had made all of this money. but I don't want to focus on the money. What I want to focus on is something that I know that you've been an expert in, which is showing up, being disciplined and being consistent. So like talk about those first five months. Like what were you doing that was allowing you to see the fruits of your labor? What was the success formula for what you did?
2: Yeah. I mean, there, there were really three components to my daily routine. Um, There were some other like Elements, but not metric-driven. If that makes sense, Uh, for example, something that wasn't metric-driven is if I was afraid to reach out to someone, I had to. And if um, if I thought about how bad my life was or had been, I had to prospect somebody. So those are kind of elements, right? They're they're not really metrics. My metrics, uh, there's there's really you know, two metrics, but three components. I'd read a book called go for no. And which sounds like a terrible book, right? Like we want yeses, not no's. But what it does is, you know, in reading that book, it helps you eliminate your resistance to rejection and your reaction to rejection. And so it basically is like, Hey, you're not going to die from no's. The more no's you go for it, the more likely you are to get a yes and you can control how many no's you get. You can't control how many yeses you get, right? Like I may, I may make 500 calls one day, not get a yes, right? But I can, I can, I can, I can go for no and I can have a no metric. So I read that book, which I'm, I'm now, you know, good friends with those guys, uh, Richard and Andrea. We actually co-authored a book called Go for No for Network Marketing. And, and so I decided I'm going to go for 20 no's a day. Every day before my head hits a pillow, I have to have 20 people tell me no. Like, no, I don't want to look at your thing or, hey, I looked at your opportunity. No, thanks. So I had to have 20 no's a day every single day before my head hit the pillow. And that was seven days a week. The second thing was I hated prospecting. Like I did it because I'm broke. I'm foreclosure and, you know, I need to make money. Um, but I hated prospecting. I wanted to I wanted to make it where people would reach out to me. So on July fifteenth, two 2009, I dedicated myself to make a video a day. And so I made at least one video a day for over 11 years without missing a day. And the only time I actually missed was this year in July, just a couple months ago, I was at a seven day meditation retreat and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> so, I've, so I've missed two days out of 11, over 11 years. So before we
1: get to the third one, I know somebody's wondering, what were the video, what were they on? Like, what were you talking about in every video?
2: So it ranged, you know, uh, sometimes it was um, social media strategies. Sometimes it was sales, closing, follow-up, mindset. A lot, you know, we teach a process called ILT, invest, learn, teach where you invest your time, possibly money to learn something, then you teach it. So if I'm going through a book, right? So here's, here's a book and you know, I read, you know, what a son needs from his dad, right? Mm. And so I may, I may read this book and go through and say, you know what, here are three points I got from this book. So that might be a video. And so I did a lot where I shared from books, I shared from courses, from seminars, always gave credit, it's not plagiarism, I'd say where I was learning it, but I just I made a commitment. I'm going to make a video a day. And some days they weren't that great. Some days I didn't feel that good. But I made a video a day from July 15, 2009 to July 2021. Some sometime mid July 2021. And even on our honeymoon, we were out in Fiji. And before she woke up, I made sure I had my video done. Right. So it didn't interrupt our time. And and so I knew that if I just if I did that, eventually someone would start seeing these damn videos and, and I would start generating leads. And so about maybe a year and a half into it, I was generating over 3000 leads a month without ads. Of people just reaching out saying, hey man, I saw your video. I saw this, I saw that. Hey man, tell me more about the thing. And and you know, most of my videos weren't sales videos. I wasn't pitching. I was just getting val giving value, teaching, sharing, you know, that that sort of thing.
1: And where were you sharing the videos to? Because back then, right, like now social media is that much more in your face. But at the time, what were you doing? Like, were you, did you just have an email list or what did that look like?
2: Well, I had to build one. I mean, I built an email list. I didn't have one when I started. Um, so, and you didn't have live until 2015. Right. So Periscope came out in 2015. That was your first live format. Then Facebook came out with live and that was I think that was 2015, 2016. And so from 2009 all the way to 2015, I'm shooting a video and I'm uploading it somewhere. And so sometimes it was YouTube. Sometimes I put it on Facebook, but it wouldn't get any traction. So uh, YouTube, um, uh, some of the other platforms that aren't even around anymore. Um, and so I was just, you know, uploading them and hoping someone saw them. And, cool. you know, a lot of times they didn't. I mean, about four months in, I... I don't think I generated a lead yet. Now think about that, right? Four months doesn't sound like okay, big deal, but it's 120 videos. Right. Most people haven't done 120 videos, period, let alone right. in four months, right? And so, like, I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm keep on going. Um, but what's interesting at the end of month four, I had a guy reach out to me. Uh, his name's Cedric Harris. And he, he, I didn't know who he was, but he's a big time marketer. He ends up joining my team and he becomes my biggest earner. And he saw me on YouTube. I didn't know him before. I'd never heard of him. And, you know, and he, he goes on to, you know, to crush him. He built a humongous team in, in my organization. And that was from one of the, one of the many videos that I had done.
1: Wow. No, that's such a phenomenon. And that's talk about faith. Right, That was famous four months in. It's like, okay, well, when is this thing? But th- that's the purest form. I think one of the best ways that I ever heard this explained was probably what, a year ago, year and a half ago, but it was Gary Vee and he was talking about document, don't create Right, and so that's exactly the process of what I yep. just heard you explaining when you yep. said, "Hey, I'm reading this book right now. What are three bullet points? That's document. Here's what I learned today. right yep. It's no different than going to church. so many people go to church every Sunday when well, you came out with one, two, maybe three things of Amen. what you learned and why they were impactful. Can you expand upon that so anybody who didn't go to church can get that same information, or even if they were there, they might not have heard it the way that you did or they might not have been able to discern." You know the message like you are so that's so much wisdom in there for sure yeah. yeah so so you then you start to have success with network marketing um and you start to really build it why for a lot of people they get into network marketing and they use it as a vehicle to get out and to get into something else but for you you've stayed in this industry right and what has been the thing that's allowed you to feel like network marketing is the thing that i can build wealth through Um, as opposed to getting a little bit of money, generating it really quickly, and then saying, hey, I don't want to do this anymore?
2: Well, you know, I am still in the profession, but I'm not part of any team any longer. So we ran, we, you know, we were building our team because I I got remarried in 2011. So this is our 10 year anniversary. And, um, you know, we, we ran from, you know, I mean, she, we were dating in 2009, um, got married in 2011. And so we built from 2009 to, you know, 2016. And so, you know, ran for seven years and, you know, we were one of the pioneers on social media for network marketing. Um, when, you know, we were building on, you know, Facebook before almost anybody for our space in network marketing. And so we had a lot of people that were like, Hey, how are you guys doing this? Because back then everyone was doing home meetings and everyone was, you know, doing it more traditionally face to face and that kind of stuff. And not that I was ever against that, but I was against that being the only option. And so we did a lot of stuff on social media. So you know, here we are, the number one earners of that company, and we're getting requests to speak at different companies, which is pretty unique. You know, it's it's different when that's happening. And uh, 2016, uh, we decided, you know what, we really like impacting the profession at the profession level than just, you know, being just our team and, and doing whatever.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: For side gigs we do, uh, so we decided to um, sell our position and uh, focus on coaching and training the entire profession. And the reason that, to, an- to kind of answer your question, the reason that I love network marketing so much is... We see it as the lowest risk, lowest overhead way for the average ordinary person to start a business, and this has massive reach. So if you think about events, right? So there's probably two, maybe three events um, in the United States pre-COVID that would have you know ten thousand people there around sales or real estate, right? You'd have Salesforce, you know, maybe Grant Cardone. Some years you would have that. Um, Tony, if he's doing Tony Robbins, if he's doing a certain thing, but not too many others here in network marketing, I mean, again, pre COVID you'd have three 20,000 person events every month in mm. network marketing. So massive reach. We had an expertise in it. And I just really like the idea of helping people who, um, th- you know, the people attracted to network marketing, often would never be business owners if it wasn't for network marketing. And so these are the masses. These are a lot of average, ordinary people that are just trying to improve their finances, relationships, et cetera. And so it really speaks, you know, to my heart. It really, you know, I I love the fact that I'm working with, you know, someone who, you know, Hasn't been in business for 20 years and is a seasoned veteran of, you know, profit and loss and all that different stuff. But someone just an average, ordinary person that we, you know, we can help them create, you know, change up their family tree and their, you know, you know, their, their household. Yeah,
1: no. And there's so much there. I know when I first got introduced to really, it's funny that you say go for no, because the first thing that I tried um, was Amway right? Yeah. And and I got and nothing negative to say about it. It was my old high school coach, or uh, actually he was my eighth grade coach. And he he got me to come back and take a look at it. It was my first introduction into network marketing, um, at, at least really understanding it. Because when I got to college, I went to University of Iowa. When I got to college, it was the first time that it was Quickstar at that time, yeah. like Quickstar and something else. Yeah. And so the guys that came to me, it was within like the first couple months. And I'm like, hey, we got this opportunity to start businesses. But again, from where I come from, nobody's talking about business. So I didn't understand that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to sell Gatorades and, and like things like that. But then I, I tried the Amway. And and from there, when I'm telling my story all the time, I say, I found that I, we did it for about, my wife and I, we did it for about just under a year. And what I found was those products and services necessarily wasn't for me, but the ex- exposure that I got to personal development yeah. was absolutely invaluable, yeah. right? Like, like it was amazing. And it was go for no, richest Man in Babylon. Like those, uh, those are all those things. And I was like, wow, understanding about rejection. But I think that. For a lot of people, when you're first getting into network marketing, just like you said, it's the first opportunity that people have for low risk and to build a business. But there's so much more to that because systems and and doing things, being disciplined, is so important in that. And so many people try to come and like reinvent the wheel. Like, what have you found over your you know ten years that you've been in, um, going on now ten years? Because you said no, twelve years. How, how when did you start in network marketing?
2: Well, I had dabbled, you know, as early as 2006, but I got serious in 2009.
1: 2009. Got it. Okay. So then, so for you, I guess for anybody right now that says, hey, you know what? I've been looking at network marketing. I'm thinking about jumping into it. And we see now with companies like EXP Realty, which I am proud of, probably a part of, um, they've, they've developed some of those concepts. So, but people still struggle in that. Where have you seen that most people have went wrong when they're trying to do network marketing?
2: Um, so first, uh, the very first thing that most people do wrong around network marketing, especially if they're new to it is they seek acceptance, approval, and agreement. And Mm -hmm. so if you get a new job at, sax fifth avenue or a realtor company or whatever you know you tell your friends and like oh cool way to go hey congrats they don't really care they don't really know you go home and say hey i just joined this network marketing company and they're like ooh. and so like they're they're throwing holy water at you they're you know saying it's a scam a pyramid it's all these different things And, and they have no idea. They have absolutely no idea. And, you know, just like any business, are there unethical business owners in, you know, in certain businesses? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, there's, there's unethical people in every, in every career, but it doesn't mean all of them are unethical. And, and so that seeking acceptance, approval and agreement, if you're not prepared for that response, it can knock you out of the game. And so I'll give you a great example. My wife, you know, when she, you know, we were dating when she first started in network marketing and she she goes home, uh, you know, to her family. And, you know, I mean, she's young at the time. We've been together for a while and she's, you know, 21. And, you know, she tells her dad and he's like, isn't that like a pyramid thing? And, you know, none of the family are interested in it. However, she hits 10,000 a month in her own account, Okay. At the age of 21, building on Facebook, recruiting strangers, she hits 10,000 a month. Her two brothers join, her mom joins, and her dad builds her a spreadsheet and says, "Look here, sweet pea, if you get two and they get two, and and so it's it's funny, you know. She didn't seek their acceptance, approval, agreement. She went and proved it, and that's a Mm. very very different energy. So I would say that's number one. And then number two is, you know, if you're suckered into thinking that this is fast, that it's, um, you know, easy, it's simple. It's not easy. Right. And so if you're suckered into that, so when someone would ask me, Hey, uh, well, how long until I'm making good money? I'd say, what if it takes five years? And they're like, five years. And I'm like, you going to have more money in five years. You got a big hedge fund gonna release to you. You got a rich uncle. He's gonna pass away. You get a mansion or something. And they're like, well, no. I'm like, how are you gonna be financially in five years? Oh, I don't know. Well, how about how about we work to get you there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so I don't I don't I'm not trying to sell them a, a kit. I don't care about the kit. I'm trying to sell them on the idea that over time, if they show up, they can change their life and the life of their family. And and so it's just you know just if you get hoodwinked in to if you're told all the exceptional stories of Joe hit 10,000 a month this first month and you think that's reality and that's going to happen for you and you've never made that kind of money then then you're going to be disappointed and you're going to think that all network marketers lie and they and they don't some do just like any profession but not all do and the biggest you know overall mistake is just not being consistent and you know, most people, you know, I taught because people know of my consistency. I, my whole life, I, my whole career, I should say, I've been asked how to be more consistent. What's your daily routine? And I would tell them they wouldn't do it. I would tell them they wouldn't do it. And so I'm like, there must be something else to this. I must, I'm, I'm missing something in my training. And so I realized that there's two other components. It's, it, there's three components to being consistent, in my opinion. Number one, what's the routine, which is the easiest to figure out, right? If I want to lose weight, I work out more, I eat less, right? Bada bing, right? That's the routine. Uh, number two is who do you want to be? What's the vision of who you want to be? How do you want to be known? What do you want people to say about you? And, you know, the Dr. Reverend Michael Beckwith says pain pushes you until a vision pulls you. Mm-hmm. So my vision has been pulling me for a really long time that I have to show up as the version of myself that I want to be, Right. The third thing is the thing that most, you know, second thing some people will get, some won't. The third thing is the one that nobody gets without help. And that is what conclusion do you draw to success? So if your parents worked really, really hard and they ignored you, you think success means ignoring your kids and you wouldn't do that. So you'll actually sabotage yourself from being consistent. Mm. If you had, if your parents made a bunch of money, lost it, You'll sabotage yourself from getting to the top because you don't want that far of a fall. Right. You won't even know it. You'll just find yourself getting to the ceiling. You get to the ceiling. You don't know why. Why can't I get past this? It's because in you, you're really worried about falling and being ridiculed and being made fun of like your parents were. And you don't know that. That's in the subconscious. But you'll just, the only way to prevent a big fall, don't have a big climb. Right. If I don't go this high, I can't fall that far. So I'll just I'll just be mediocre. I'll fly underneath the radar the whole my whole life. That way I'll never be ridiculed, never be made fun of. If um if you draw the conclusion like uh here's something a lot of siblings run into. So if you were the star sibling and when you did stuff you were heralded and you you know mom and dad were so proud and and happy for you, but your sister was the troublemaker and every time you were heralded she was chastised. Why can't you be more like your sister? well you think that's a time thing but that actually carries with you so there are people that will avoid recognition not knowing that it's because they're conditioned to not give their uh, their sibling pain but if you can't recognize that which is very difficult on your own then you'll 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 find yourself playing small so you don't get recognition right? Because you don't want your sister to hurt, but that's in your subconscious. You're not thinking that. You're not thinking, I don't want my sister to get hurt because that makes no sense. Right, Your subconscious is like every time you get recognition, she gets bad recognition. And I don't like her hurting because of my efforts. So let me have lower efforts. And that's that's the part that most people just never, never understand. Why aren't I consistent? It's not because they're lazy. It's because they've drawn the wrong conclusion to success.
1: Hey, Dream Builder, are your home and auto policies almost up for renewal? If so, and you're looking for a lower rate, I believe I have a solution for you, and it's called Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto rates in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. And the best part is they've saved customers on average $1,250 per year over what they're already paying for home and auto insurance. Getting started is super easy. First, just head on over to policygenius.com and answer a few questions about yourself and your property, and then Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers from Progressive to Allstate to find you the lowest quote. So head on over to policygenius.com to get started right now. Again, that's policygenius.com, and you can find out when it comes to insurance, how they help you get it right. Now let's go ahead and hop back into it. Man, so powerful. And and me uh, reading the book not too long ago, three uh, months ago, um, by Dr. Joseph Murphy, uh, the power of the subconscious mind, right? And That's your so subconscious hard. doesn't know what's right or what's wrong. Right. And so, yeah, there's so many people that we are, we're just conditioned, right? And, and you think about it the most when you think about money, like, what's your relationship with money? But who taught you about money? That's the question that we never ask ourselves, even at 35, whether you have a lot of money or where you have no money. Who taught you about money in the beginning to how you get to this point? Because obviously it was your habits that got you to this point by thinking too small or thinking too big and not being calculated enough. Right. And so, yeah, there's so much wisdom in in what you just said. This is definitely a, a great conversation. So as you've seen, you've now had the pleasure of the last 15 years, at least being around so many big leaders and thought leaders. How has that helped you to continue to grow on your journey? Like, do you feel like that you are, because a lot of us, when we're on the lower part of our journey, we're hearing that we can't be the smartest person in the room, right? We can't be the smartest person in our circle. But for you now being a leader of an entire industry, right? Or a select few of the highest points of leaders do you find yourself feeling like that you have to get outside of your industry to grow? Or do you feel like that, um, no, know you're right where you're supposed to be? How do you challenge yourself?
2: I mean, for honestly, for a long time, I've, I've gone outside of my industry. Um, and you know, not, not that there's not amazing people in the industry, but you know, I, um, purposely, you know, hire coaches that have done much, much bigger things. So, uh, one of the, uh, you know, people like this story, I think. Um, so I remember going to my first Grant Cardone event and I'm like, you know, I need, I need some of his energy. And so I had networked. I don't even, I don't even remember how I did this, but I networked my way to Jared, who's his right hand man. And I text Jared. I'm like, Jared, how much to hire Grant directly? And he said, it, it, bloop, and comes across hundred thousand bucks for six hours. And <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so I paid him a hundred grand for six hours. Okay. So about 17 grand an hour. And I, I broke it up into, you know, one hour sessions. So I would drive over to Miami, Miami area and meet with him for an hour, drive back over to Naples. Cause that's where I live, Naples, Florida. And in that, and most people, when they hear that, they're like, that's insane, A 100 grand, you could buy a small house, you could buy an amazing car, right? And, and so, but in that first session, I go over there and we were about to run an event in like three or four months. And he totally changed my perspective on how I thought about that event and be directly because of the changes he suggested, I made an additional million dollars at that event, an additional million dollars. And so that first hour made me over a million dollars. So I 10x my entire investment in one-sixth of the time of that return. And, now, and so now
1: everybody's curious, myself included. What was the the tweak that he told you?
2: So I had hit an upper limit belief. Um and I didn't know it. And 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 not that he knew it, but he is just the consummate push through think bigger, no matter what. <laughs> and that's his, that's his deal. Yeah. And so I, in 20, um, in 2015, I had had an event and it was, there were like 300 people in the room and I made like 2 million bucks. And for me, that was like, dang, that's amazing. So in a you know three day weekend, $2 yeah. million. And, and so for me, that was like, holy crap, man. And, Something happened. I I hit an upper limit, and so from that day forward, I started going down a different path and doing smaller events. And and I and I thought because I would provide better service. That's what I convinced myself of. And it was just playing smaller. I was scared. I was scared of going bigger, and I, I you know I didn't know why. And so I had this event scheduled, and it was maybe four months out. And so I go to him and and I'm like, all right, you know, I got this event, it's four months out and, you know, it's already sold out. It was like, you know, I kept it to 250 people, right? And uh, I said, but next year I want to go big. He goes, why not this year, right? And and I'm like, well, you know, I got, the, you know, I've sold the tickets, it's sold out. I got the hotel. He goes, cancel it. And I'm like, cancel, I cancel the hotel. Well, I got a contract. And I get, cancel it. And I'm like, I mean, there's probably a fee for that. Cancel it. Okay. <laughs> and so I cancel it. We book a bigger hotel instead of 250, we sell 2600 tickets and that that event just crushes. And did he so, come speak like, at it? What's that? Did he come speak at it with didn't. you? <laughs> you no. know, I did I didn't um at the time I was nervous for my audience to hear his message, to be honest, because I'm I'm the one trying to teach them, you know, be aggressive with your goals, but not with your communication. And sometimes with Grant, that kind of gets muddled. So I don't want network marketers more aggressive, right? Like lunatics. I want them aggressive with their goals, but not in their communication. And so I teach a nuanced way of speaking to people very professionally be aggressive with your goals, but not with your communication. So I was worried about. How, so I didn't ask him. I don't know if he would have, but I didn't. I didn't ask him. Um, um, but we had uh, uh, Tariq from Tarek um, uh, El Musa. Yes, yeah, we had Tarek, yeah, who's a yeah. you know TV star, and he was awesome. Um, we had a, a lot of rock stars there, so it was great. And then since that day, because of that shift, you know, we had that event that was 2019. 2020, we had to go virtual, but we had 3,600 tickets this year, which we just did two, three weeks ago, we had 6,800 tickets. And wow. so he kicked off a chain. And honestly, I can probably attribute at this point, probably three and a half, four million $4 million to that first session. And, and that's what people don't understand. Like, you know, when I first started hiring coaching back in 2010, 11, people were like, dude, you're already motivated. What do you need a coach for? I'm like, I'm not hiring them for motivation. I'm hiring them to get to where I want to go faster. And, you know, might I have come to the conclusion that Grant told me in that first session? I might have in five years, six years, seven years. All that lost opportunity money, all those years, losing millions of dollars that could have, could have been in the bank. Right. And so like, you know, that's, that's, that's why you go, that's why you hire people like that. So right now I work with, I mean, I have one coach, he's, you know, he's 250,000 a year. I work with John Assaraf. I work with, um, you know, I got, I got several different coaches that, that I work with that help me in different areas of my business and my life.
1: Wow. So much. So I know that I cut you off earlier and you were saying, did we ever get to the third component? Cause we talked about, uh, the first one you were talking about, there's three reasons. And I think we yeah. did get to all three. So of them. Got
2: it. have a daily routine, have a vision of who you want to be. And also know what's, pr- what is your conclusion to success. Yeah, success? Because if you draw a wrong conclusion there, you're, you're, you're going to be out of the game. And I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you a, um, you know, this is, you know, it's a little bit different kind of story. Um, you know, we we have our book, uh, Time, Money, Freedom. And every once in a while when we're selling these, we'll shove a golden ticket in there. And a golden ticket gets a 10 minute coaching call with me. And so this lady gets one of the tickets. She reaches out to me. We schedule the 10 minutes. And so I got 10 minutes. And so we get on the phone. I said, all right, tell me, you know, tell me what's going on. And she goes, well, for the last, you know, four and a half years, I've been up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down in my network marketing business. And I'll have a great month and then I'll fall off for a couple months and a great month. And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, okay. And so I'm listening and she used the word disappointment. I don't want to disappoint people. And so I said, well, who disappointed you as a kid? And she's like, uh, and she's like, well, you know, maybe not disappointment, but shame. Okay. Tell me about it. Well, it turns out her mom had been a prostitute. And I'm like, okay. And I think I know the problem, but I, I have to hear a little bit more. And, she, and, and I asked her, I said, do people like know this story? Like, do locals know it? And, you know, family members? And she goes, Oh yeah, they all know. And then she added, and she's still alive. Mm. I'm like, got it. I know what your problem is. She goes, what's my problem? Your problem is you believe that when you reach too high of a level of success, that it's going to trigger the locals to bash you and talk about your mom who was a prostitute on social media which would bring shame to your living mom which you would do anything to prevent and she's like oh my god i've never thought about that she's crying she's like, oh my god you're right I, uh, and i said but there's another way to look at it your mom did everything she could to give you a better life and for that to be the reason that you don't kind of a slap in the face right kind of right. hard kind of harsh and so I did wonder, and this was a, <laughs> it was a 10 minute call. And so I wondered, I'm like, maybe I went too hard at her. And so I texted her a couple of days later and she said, uh, I've, I had a conversation with my mom after our chat and it is on. And then maybe two months later, I saw her post on social media that she just had her biggest month ever and she's rocking and rolling. And so once you become aware of, you know, are you drawing the wrong conclusion to success? No book will help you get past that. No strategy, no tactic, nothing. I could have given her script after script after script and hashtags and all these different things that everyone sells. None of that would have solved that problem. As long as you have that problem, you ain't getting past it. It's becoming aware of, oh, oh my God, that's, I can think differently now. And so like, that's, you know, some of the you know, stuff that we do. And that's how we get people to go from not consistent to being animals. <laughs> and so we, yeah. we just love what we do.
1: I love it, man. Let me, do you still feel like the social media is the way for any network marketing or like, is that the way to grow business? Or have you been like, everybody's using social media now. So now we go back to using the unconventional or the conventional methods of maybe um door knocking or just live events or something like that. Not saying that you should have let them go, but a lot of people have now transitioned to only trying to do social media.
2: There will always be a place for offline. There will always be a place for, you know, um, breaking bread. And, you know, I mean, when I ran a team, even though many of them joined through social media, I had barbecues, I had pool parties. I mean, we did bubble soccer one year, you know, where you get that soccer and you just bump people and, you know, it was awesome. And, and so like, there'll always be room and, and a place for socializing for getting together and everything. Um, I, I at this point I don't know that social media that it's an option not to do it. And and because it's just kind of strange. It's how people communicate, it's um the easiest way to connect with people, to hit your numbers. It's just kind of strange not to do it at this point. And you know, when the quarantine happened uh last year, I mean that first two weeks, I was on seventy seven Zoom calls. With companies and leaders all around the world that were panicking because they had only been teaching traditional and now not an option, right? So I had companies that, you know, some of them hadn't been so nice to me over the years and, and saying, you know, you don't need to do social media. And now they're like, dude, you got to help us. I'm like, sure, let's do it. And, and so like, I remember I was on one and it, it was being, I don't even know how they did this. I don't know how to do it, but I was on a call where it was being translated in nine languages. And they had like 10,000 people on and, and like people were panicking. They're like, our people don't know what the hell to do on social media. They only know face-to-face and they can't do that. They can't leave their houses like somewhere in Italy and somewhere in, you know, really locked down areas. And, and so, um, it's interesting, you know, people learned that they had to, they had to pivot, they had to change. And, and so I think, I think that's a good thing, but it also at the same time made face to face, um more appreciated you know now when you when you run into you know someone it's like hey you know it's like it's like a different like we appreciate it more so there will always be a place for face to face um you know it just it just won't ever again be the only option
1: i love it i love it no i appreciate the wisdom this has been a phenomenal conversation my brother i want to be the first one if no one else has told you today to say thank you and Mm -hmm. i truly appreciate your time uh, we're going to make sure that we put all of the links in the show notes, especially to your books and, and um, how people can connect with you. But for anybody who would love to follow your journey, learn more about you, tell us how can they stay connected with you?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, we're on we're on all the social media, um, you know, people tend to like my Instagram. I do a lot of skits and I do goofy stuff on there. um, I'd be one
1: of those people.
2: (laughs) So at Ray Higdon on, on Instagram. And then um, our book, it's published by Hay House. It's called Time, Money, Freedom, uh, 10 Simple Rules to Redefine What's Possible and Radically Reshape Your Life. And so it's not a network marketing book, actually. I do edify it, but it's not, it's for anybody that wants to improve their relationships or finance.
1: Cool. But like I said, we'll definitely put all the links in the show notes. And just as he said, Dream Builder, you got to be willing to go through it. You got to be willing to um, kind of feel the pain a little bit. Right. You got to be willing to, to ask yourself the hard questions so you can move forward because we all have a dream. I have a dream. You have a dream. But without action, we all know that that dream, it'll only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content and we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe so remember in the dream we trust we'll see you on the flip side
0: everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun yeah you get it